0: We're no. Just like, Come on. <laughs> Pretend Jen, I'm not, like we're singing. I'm not singing. We're not. No, I'm not singing. You record it. And you could say that right there and it would be funny. I know. That's what I'm doing right now. <laughs> I'm creating comedy. Okay. I'm trying to You're create comedy. See- yes. Well, no, I'm trying to create comedy like right now. I know. That's, As we that's speak. funny. <laughs> that's funny. I'm helping you create comedy. This is Angela. And this is Jen. We're from the Anomaly Podcast. (laughs) You're listening to Rico on Treks in Sci Fi.
1: (laughs) Hello, greetings, and felicitations, everyone. This is Rico, and you're listening to Treks in Sci Fi, podcast number 271 for March the 21st, 2010. Hey, it's officially spring, so happy spring. To, to those people in, in this part of the uh, Earth <laughs> where we're having spring, I guess the the uh, other hemisphere would be into fall now. Would that be right? Anyway, this uh, week on Trex and Sci-Fi, we're going to be looking at two episodes from Enterprise's fourth season, Cold Station 12 and Augments. Or is it called the Augments? I'll have to look that up. I think it's just Augments. Anyway, this was uh, the... the uh, Two of the episodes from a three-part series where we got the uh, guest uh, star of Brent Spiner. Yes, Mr. Data came and guest starred on Enterprise for a few episodes playing Dr. Eric Soong, uh, kind of uh, the leader or creator of this new race of augments and genetically engineered uh humans, uh, and it gets involved in a whole bunch of things, but I'll be talking about that later on the podcast. It's a really great set of episodes and uh, definitely worth covering here on the podcast. We'll be talking about some news and and general sci-fi chitter-chatter, (laughs) chitter-chatter, Did I say that word? Did I do that last week on the podcast? Oh, by the way, uh, I, again, big thanks to uh, Rick Pete for uh, joining me here, uh, co-hosting last week's big Klingon show. I've gotten a lot of good feedback, and I, I knew everyone would would enjoy that. And I also knew the the show would go long. We were like at two hours almost for that podcast. Uh, I, I've always tried to keep them. You know, sometimes I've tried to shoot for an hour, a little more, hour and a half at the most, but we just had such a good time and so much to cover that I think it was worth it with doing that to uh, to have a long show all about the Klingons, especially with a guest uh, here in Rockford, which is where I'm at again this week, recording for Treks in Sci-Fi. So uh, just uh, as I usually say, sit back, relax, and here goes the show, or here comes the show.
0: It's been a long, long. Heading from there to me it's been a long time but my time is fine I will see my dream come alive at last I will touch the
1: Well, again, everyone, welcome back uh, and welcome to uh, this edition of Treks in Sci-Fi or this week's podcast. It's uh, it's been a good week, it, it, you know. The weather here in in, in Illinois and Rockford in this area, and I think a lot of the Midwest was experiencing sort of spring fever. We had some, you know, even to the sixty degree days this past week. Really nice, and, and, and you know, after for people that don't live in in, in this kind of weather and, and have such long winters, I guess. You may not know, but it's it's so nice when you st- start getting after a cold, long, hard winter. And this was a pretty nasty one, I think, overall. Lots of snow for a lot of people. But when you first get those first tastes of spring, you know, when it when the birds are out and the snow is pretty much melted away and the sun is out, and especially with the whole daylight savings time change thing we had, it's just so nice. It makes you just so much, I don't know, happier and, and feel better. I, I, I just... I just love that, being able to uh, you know, put down the windows and things like that. I, I haven't quite put down the top on the car yet, but it's getting close. But this weekend now, all of a sudden, we got this blast of winter back a little bit. We got a tiny little dusting of snow here. It's down into the, you know, mid to upper 30s or something like that, give or take. And it's kind of, that happens in, in this area. We, we get that a lot. I mean, it's only March still. We could probably get that kind of stuff for the next couple of weeks. But we all know that the snow is on its way out, basically, and it is so much nicer because of that. Well, I was just scanning uh, a few websites trying to come up with a few little uh, Star Trek-related stories and news and information to pass on to you uh, this week. Not a huge amount going on. There have been some new comics out. Uh, that Star Trek movie adaptation issue number two, I think, is out now. Uh, what else? Oh, they're they're moving the Enterprise shuttle, you know, that uh, prototype shuttle uh, that was named Enterprise to do fans, uh, it has uh, been at the Smithsonian, but because they're retiring the other shuttles, I think two of those are going to end up at the Smithsonian. So they're going to move the Enterprise to a, another location. So that the Enterprise uh, prototype shovel, shuttle shuttle shovel? <laughs> shuttle is going to fly again, at least on top of a 747. They've, NASA has been uh, NASA specialists have been inspecting it to make sure it's at least. Uh, going to be uh, good enough to do that uh, and everything, and they've been looking it over. So that's kind of cool. I can still remember those early prototype shuttle flights uh, that uh, they took that. You know, it was basically uh, on top of an airplane, and then it was released and allow it to, you know, one of the biggest things they wanted to determine was, If this shuttle was was aerodynamically sound enough and capable enough of reentering and landing uh, in the Earth as it plunges, you know, down into the atmosphere on each of the shuttle trips, and that was what the orbiter, the Enterprise orbiter, was was used for. It was tested. Uh, with uh, I don't know how many times they took it up and let it and released it and la- allowed it to or um, a pilot landed it uh, to determine that uh, situation but it was pretty cool those you know and, and I have to say you know it, having a uh, shuttle even if it never went into space which was a little unfortunate but still having a shuttle named Enterprise was a very cool thing. it looks like Star Trek online is getting some updates here uh, some new content. Uh, they're gonna. I think that just came out towards the end of last week. I haven't had a chance yet to get back uh, onto the game to know for sure if they've added uh, some new content to it. But I'm sure the people playing Star Trek Online are aware of it. If you're uh, a real active player, I've heard some people be. You know, they, they, they've been kind of saying. You know, even though the game only came out in uh, early February, that. When you uh, get high enough high enough up the sort of ladder tree, you know, the ranking tree that they've got, that the game starts to, uh, you know, lose a little bit of content or at least it becomes a fairly a lot the same, let's just say. And, you know, that kind of concerns me, especially since the game has only been out a short time. I still really want to get into it and have some time to play the game. I've been doing some tweaking on my computer, though, and I also had a few little issues with the game but other than that, I, I will get back into it and report back on how that's going. I'm still looking for uh, Joe or someone to send in maybe a couple minutes of audio. You know, it, the people that have had a lot more time. I know Rick Peet's played it quite a bit uh, and Black Ride on the forums. Uh, I know you guys have uh, had more, definitely logged more hours in the game than I have. So please send a uh, report in on Star Trek Online and what you're thinking of the game so far. And one last little tidbit, uh, a Trek-related story. I don't think I've mentioned this before, but I am reading a, uh, a pre-release copy of a new uh, Star Trek book called Star Trek Online, The Needs of the Many. And this was written by uh, Michael Martin. Uh, and I've interviewed he and another author before on the show in the past. And the the cool thing about this book so far, that, and I'm more than halfway, I guess about two-thirds through the book is it's, it's basically a set of interviews that uh, he wrote in the perspective of being Jake Sisko. Uh, remember, Jake was uh, turning into sort of a writer, a journalist on Deep Space Nine, and uh, what the author did is, is used him, his persona, to interview various uh, Trek uh, people that you'll know, people like Seven of Nine and Garrick and Janeway and other people, around the time that the Star Trek online game is set, which is, I forget, is it 20, 30 years, something past to what we saw on like Voyager in the last of the, of the movies, it's something like that, 20, 25 years, give or take. Uh, you know, all the characters are pretty much around still, so it's not so far in the future or anything like that, but it, it's involving a, a few things, and I don't want to give too much away. I am planning and really hoping that what we're going to do sometime in April is I'm going to get uh, Mike Martin on and we're going to do a little interview and talk about the book and other things uh, related to Trek, maybe other projects he's got going. Uh, that will be on uh, Treks and Sci-Fi sometime in, like I said, probably about a month from now, sometime mid-April or so. It will be on the schedule, so check the main website for updates and I'll keep everyone posted on when that will be.
0: Hi, this is Walter Koenig, and you're listening to Trex in Sci-Fi Podcast.
1: Okay, I'm going to talk just briefly about uh, TV, movies, and things related to that. I'm I'm trying to recall. I I don't think I got a chance to mention this yet, but a couple weeks back, or maybe I did on that show. No, I went home that weekend. I don't think think I've said. I did see Alice in Wonderland uh, in 3D and enjoyed it quite a bit. Maybe I have talked about this. Gosh, it's getting confusing sometimes with At Home, Here, Back and Forth, and and different shows. Uh, I don't think, though, that I've said a lot. It it was a very good movie. I liked it a lot. Uh, Tim Burton, Johnny Depp, uh, really cool. Uh, We've had sort of a little discussion going on in the forums about this whole 3D thing. You know, pretty soon it's going to be, you know, commercials on television are going to be in 3D. It's just... In my opinion, and and like most things on treks and sci-fi, it's it's my voice, my opinion. <laughs> Sometimes it's just facts I'm passing around and and giving out. But it, I'm okay with 3D to a degree, but I think that it's 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 just going a little crazy with everything wanting to be in 3D for the movies these days. I mean. They they redid some bits of Clash of the Titans, which is going to come out here in a couple of weeks to to have it released in 3D as well as 2D. Uh, certain movies like Avatar and and a few others have been specifically designed and filmed in that for 3D, and I, I I'm good with that, and I think that that helps. But I, I've always maintained that that a really good movie it, it it doesn't matter. I I don't see. I think it kind of can enhance the movie and make it kind of a little more interesting in that, but you can't take, you know, a bad movie and, and and say that it's good just because it was 3D or anything like that. I mean, I try to say it a little bit differently. It's, I just find it a little unnecessary, and it's also more expensive, you know, and I'm a big movie fan. I love going to the movies, and, and to spend an extra like $2.50, maybe it doesn't seem like that much, but I'm I'm kind of a little resistant to it. I, again, I think some movies, I think especially things that are animated, like the upcoming Toy Story and other animated movies, since they're sort of they're they're hand drawn. Well, not hand drawn much anymore, but uh, computer generated anyway. That making those 3D, I think can can add a lot because I think what your brain does when you see a, a real life filmed movie, you know, in other words, it's out in the you know world and. It's not an, uh, a CG effort. I think your brain kind of makes it look 3D anyway in your head. If you know, you know what I mean. Kind of, we're used to seeing that. But an animated movie, I think, can be a little more interesting, maybe in 3D. I don't know. It, it's okay, but it just seems a little overboard. And 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 I think they're also just going to start having trouble, you know, having enough theaters for these movies. I know this summer there's a lot of stuff that they're going to be coming out with that's in 3D and I know certain theaters can show them that way and others can't and so forth. So we'll we'll see what happens. It, you know, it, it's all in the early stages. The other thing I was going to say is they're going to start coming out with televisions, fairly expensive televisions that can broad not broadcast, um, that can display a 3D image. As far as I know, there's nobody that's going to be broadcasting 3D uh, on a regular basis, at least not yet. So uh, we'll see. I- I'm also just a little annoyed of having to wear the silly glasses. I, I-, I just, I, I kind of tend to wear glasses for for only certain things. A little bit when I work in the lab, driving, and, and for distance occasionally. But to have to wear those to watch a movie all the time, uh, or even you know someday have to watch those or wear those to watch TV it's just kind of. Really? Do we have to do that? I don't know. It's just my opinion. Again, uh, send opposing views into treksf at gmail.com. And now I'm going to take just a short break, and then we're going to get into these Enterprise episodes since I've got to cover at least two of them and sort of going to talk about a third because it was really a three-part set of episodes, but I'm only going to be covering two of them uh, in depth today on uh, Treks in Sci-Fi. So I'll be right back, and we'll get started. Today I want to tell you about a new promotion that I have going with Zazzle.com, Z-A-Z-Z-L-E.com. It's a place online that you can go to to make custom t-shirts, mugs, greeting cards, uh, mouse pads, all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, paper that you might want, to, note paper and things. Anyway, you can do your own images on these things, uh, text and all kinds of stuff like that. And if you go over to Zazzle.com now, make sure to use the special promo codes that I have. If you order... Uh, something $50 and more, you can save 10% if you use the code TREXINSSI10, and you can get 12% off orders that are $75 or more using the code TREXINSSI12, okay? And there's a link on the main website about those offers, too, if you don't have a pencil to write it down right now. Okay, the episodes that we're going to be talking about are fairly early in Season 4 of Enterprise, the last season, and... I really enjoy season four. I enjoyed all of Enterprise. Uh, you know, it's it, it's it's really a very 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 underrated uh, series from uh, you know from a lot of reasons and a lot of perspective out there. Although I know there are people that enjoy it, but I think a lot of people kind of missed it. You know, they didn't really pay much attention, and then boom, after only four seasons, it was gone. So, uh, if you've not seen these episodes, I, I really highly urge you to do so. I am streaming uh, on the forum, Cold Station 12, which is the first episode we're going to be talking about. This, uh, to give you some background uh, on these episodes, this, uh, I'm not sure exactly, I was trying to dig this up to find out if they sort of, uh, you know, had this idea for these episodes and then they worked Brent Spiner into the playing Dr. Eric Sung, the the Augment leader of, of this band of Augments, these uh, genetically engineered uh, young people that uh, are on this sort of well, they're they're. I'll talk about that in a minute <laughs> anyway. Uh, but the, the the probably the coolest thing of these three episodes, and again, I'm only going to talk about Cold Station Twelve and Augments. Is the fact that we get Brent Spiner back as an actor, and not playing Data or Data's creator exactly, or or B twelve or B four or B what is it B two or whatever he was in the movie, um, B four wasn't it? Yeah. Anyway, the, you know we get Brent here playing a human, playing a very emotional um, father-like figure to the to this group of genetically engineered. Uh, People And he does an amazing job. He really is good. And uh, he's very sincere. He's a good actor. He's got sort of this kind of, you know, wink in his eye at different times, especially in in Borderland, the first one of the three part of it. I'm not going to cover a whole lot. But but just he's very smart and you could see him as being this sort of genius type character. I think he, it works really well for him. He, he he fits the part well, and I I like that um, that aspect of this set of uh, episodes from Enterprise that they got him back. And uh, he, he works just good in the universe anyway in the Trek universe, and he, he's a lot of fun to watch in these episodes that you um, that I'm going to be covering. Um, and. Cold Station 12 is the first one. So I want to play a clip here. This is going to give you the recap of Borderland a little bit and then the intro to uh, Cold Station 12. So here we go into the uh, the first episode for today's uh, coverage on Trex and Sci-Fi, Cold Station 12.
2: Previously on Enterprise, Jonathan
1: Archer, what brings
3: you here?
2: Someone attacked a Klingon bird of prey. The entire crew was massacred, the ships missing. They were augments. When
4: you rejected our father's wishes, you stopped being one of us, Vakim.
2: They're dangerous. They're the future.
3: and sisters are waiting to be born let's go get them some claim humanity rose up against the augments others say the augments began fighting among themselves whoever started it the war devastated earth millions perished And when it was over people like you were feared. Humans will always fear you. They fear your power, your intellect. They fear you because you're everything they want to be but can't be. Which is why I brought you here where it's safe. I've raised you like my own. You call me father. but I'm only watching over you. You belong to the future. And someday, you will fulfill humanity's promise. Malik.
0: Are there others like us?
3: Many others. Waiting. Asleep. And someday, it will be your duty to wake them. Set them free.
1: So uh, to give you just a little bit of a synopsis and, a, and, and fill you in on uh, what happened in Borderland, basically uh, these augments, there's a couple of them that are out there. They have uh, stolen a Klingon bird of prey, and Dr. Eric Soong, uh, Brent Spiner's character, you know, was sort of their, their father figure. I mean, he, he stole these embryos uh, from the storage facilities that kept them, and he raised some of these on this distant uh, sort of hidden world. And I think there were about maybe total 20 of them or so, 18, 20-something, number like that. Anyway, what happens then is that they sort of, uh, I, I forget how they finally arrested or Eric Sung's in, in a prison cell, but uh, they they get him, the Enterprise and Archer get him to try to track down these augments. They cling on bird of prey, they finally run into them, and... This uh, this guy named Malik, one of the Augments, who will figure prominently in the other two episodes that I'm going to talk about here. This is Borderland that I'm trying to fill you in on anyway. They get suing off the Enterprise and take off. So that's kind of Borderland what happens. There, there's more going on there. Maybe someday I'll, I'll cover that episode in full, but... I figured it's it's hard enough to cover two episodes in one podcast. I wasn't going to really try three, so I wanted to skip through that pretty quickly. So now let's get into the the meat of Cold Station 12. Like you heard the the bit in the opening of that early clip, it gives you some background on Borderland and the first part of Cold Station 12. Now the Enterprise they they finally find this this world, this place that Sung had raised these augments on and they track down that spot to try to trace where they've gone to, and uh, they end up finding a, a someone there. They kind of call him Smike or uh, Uldar or something like that, Udar, Udar, I think. And what what's interesting, I, I like this part of the, the episode because what you find here is this is someone that was, there was, he's an augment, he was genetically engineered, but it didn't really give him all the enhanced abilities that these uh, genetic engineered children have. He's just basically human. He, he doesn't have super strength. He's not super intelligent or super ambitious either. But he's sort of cast aside and cast out by the Augments. And I think that's interesting, even though he's sort of one of them, But but they don't seem to think he's worthy of it. At least a couple... This main uh, sort of bad adversary augment guy named Malik is especially says, you know, kind of like, get out of here. You're not really as good as the rest of us. You're just going to slow us down. So here's a little clip and a conversation once the Enterprise uh, finds him and brings him aboard. Um, and I think this is between Archer and Malik in Sick Bay. Oh, did I say Archer and Malik? I meant uh, not Archer and Malik. Archer and Smike or this. Udar guy uh, in sick
5: bay. sorry about that he's in good condition
2: for an augment he didn't put up much of
5: a fight he isn't an augment he's um, an anomaly his DNA is similar to the others but not identical he was born with none of their enhanced abilities
2: how's the job It hurts. I'm sorry about that. But you didn't give me much choice. I told you my name. My real name's Udar. But my brothers and sisters call me Smike. That's an unusual nickname. It's from Nicholas Nickleby. His handicapped friend. Is that why you were left behind? Because you're different? I would have slowed them down. Udar. Smike, I need to find out where they went, the others. I'm not telling you anything. I'm trying to help them. You're from Earth. You don't want to help
5: them. You want to kill them.
2: That's not true. I won't betray my brothers and sisters. Your brothers and sisters are in danger. They attacked a Klingon ship. If the Klingons find them before we do, then more Klingons will die. You'll never stop them, Captain.
5: No one will.
3: Tucker to Captain Archer.
1: So anyway, uh, they've got him, and they're trying to, you know, find out where Soong and the other augments have gone. And they eventually discover that there's this place called Cold Station 12 that is a storage facility uh, for all these Embryos, these genetically altered and engineered—I guess not really genetically altered—they're engineered from the ground up, or even, you know, whatever you want to call it. These are augmented humans. These embryos are kept there because after the eugenics war, and this is brought up in some clips here that you'll be hearing, they—they didn't—they had all these embryos, you know, lots of them, hundreds, thousands of them. So they didn't really feel like they could destroy them, so they kind of put them into cold storage, which. I don't really quite understand. I mean, there was a war going on with millions of, you know, but whatever. They they had these places, and there's this uh, one guy there, Dr. Lucas, who's a friend of Flox's friend of who's oh, one of the head guys at Cold Station 12, which is kind of cool because he has been a friend that you've heard Flox correspond with over the years on Enterprise, and you get to see him and meet him for the first time in this episode. And the next clip that, that I'm going to play for you, this is a, a good one, and I like this kind of discussion in these episodes because this is about the the idea of genetically engineered uh, humans and, uh, you know, the eugenics war and, and everything that was involved there and, and how that, you know, the, you, you can make arguments for, you know, should, you know, would it be good to be able to do this with people? I mean, we're getting to that point in science where these things are possible and they certainly can detect abnormalities of of babies and things before they are born. Um, I'm not so sure, you know, some things maybe they'd be able to fix, some things they can't, but, you know, just the idea of, uh, you know, would you want to, if you could, create sort of the perfect human uh, if that was, you know, if you were able to. And a lot of the research and the things and the discussions that you hear about in these episodes are involved with some of this work. It wasn't just to create this super being type person. It was to work on ways to help people who had maybe diseases or had, you know, problems, you know, defects and and things that kept them, you know, maybe uh, from living a normal life or a shorter life, you know. For example, if if there was a, uh, the way to, say a baby was you know they took some kind of dna a sampling of of an of an embryo from a mother who was pregnant and determined that the baby was going to have this disease or this defect or whatever and they were able to through research and development were, were able to say hey we can fix that you know it's not the natural situation you know natural selection and all that this is you know, we're altering then the child. And I'm probably getting deeper into this subject than I wanted to. At least this early in the podcast, this was what I wanted to talk about a little bit. But you know, like say, you know, you know, say that you, you knew that the baby was going to have you know poor vision, for example. Let's just take a real easy one. Would you you know be willing and want to fix that? You know, if if they said, hey, hey we can fix, give him perfect vision, uh, and no problem, no no danger or anything like that. Would, would you do that? even though that wasn't, you know, completely natural 100%. I know I, I probably would, would certainly think about it seriously. And I, I think especially if it was something severe enough, I think I would would definitely seriously consider saying, yeah, I, I would fix that stuff. I mean, we do it anyway when you think about it. I mean, when you're, you know, people with poor eyes get sometimes, you know, they get LASIK surgery now or you wear glasses or whatever. So, So is there really that big of a difference of fixing defects like that uh at at the stage before they're even born perhaps or even stopping them i I don't know you know it's interesting thing to think about anyway let's play this uh other clip here uh from uh cold station 12
5: you might be interested to know smike's become quite the student of earth history he's been reading up on the eugenics wars But that soon gave him the whole story (laughs) i'm quite familiar with the subject myself Human intellect and human instinct were out of
2: sync. So many people were killed. The official number was 30 million. Some historians say it was closer to 35. I can understand why Earth
5: banned genetic engineering.
2: What do you know about Clark syndrome? Oh, it's a degenerative
5: brain disorder that afflicts humans. My father died of it when I was 12. I'm sorry.
2: He had frequent pain, hallucinations. He talked to people who weren't there. Often couldn't recognize me or my mother. The last two years of his life. Ah, you were thinking if
5: genetic engineering had been permitted. Maybe so has a point. I've had time to examine his work more closely. I'm forced to admit some of it is extremely inventive. He's really quite brilliant. It's a shame such a man has to remain incarcerated.
2: He broke the law, that's why he was in prison. And that's why I'm gonna make sure he goes back. The Nobula perfected genetic engineering a long time ago, but you never came close to destroying yourselves. Perhaps we were simply fortunate. Or maybe your instincts had caught up with your intellect. Everyone's
1: getting cold so there you know you learn a little bit about uh, Archer and his father and, and and a little bit of Phlox's views on these things and just and the fact that the Denobulans have perfected genetic engineering they know how you know and they know what to do even though it never caused the the kind of war that happened on earth at least in the Star Trek you know universe in and, and history so Good stuff, interesting discussion, and uh, you know, one of the things I really like about these episodes to think about. So, uh, what else do I want to cover here before the next clip? The uh, I like the way they build tension in these episodes between Malik and, and Brent Spiner's character for uh, Doctor Sung, and and the fact that you know this is sort of like a, a child in a way. He brought brought him, raised him, uh, you know, brought him up, raised him. But now that this guy has got, you know, these enhanced abilities, enhanced intelligence and strength and, and ambition, a lot like Khan, you know, from the original Space Seed episode and the movie, of course, Wrath of Khan, is very interesting. And I think he's played pretty well. I have to look up the actor's name and let you know. But uh, next, uh, once the Enterprise discovers where they're going, of course, they head there. There is... The uh, the augments, of course, and Soon have got their ahead of them, and they are torturing uh, this one scientist guy to try to get this other Dr. Lucas character to give them this uh, access code so they can get to these other embryos that are stored there, and it's not going very well. Soon really does not want to kill anyone. He he's trying very hard to to get what he wants without without killing anyone. But it doesn't quite—it uh, doesn't quite go as he as he plans things, and or as he plans it, and, and and this again is Malik sort of going off the deep end and getting out of his control. So, here's a, a clip of uh, what's going on on Cold Station Twelve.
3: It's worth this man's life. I have hookers.
0: I can save him. No, no, no can you let this happen? How can you? Tell me the code. The code, Go to
3: hell. <laughs> Release the antipath. Father.
0: Do it! No!
1: so you know Sung is, is is losing losing the ability to keep Malik under control it's it's really uh not working very well and <laughs> he's he's a bad boy we gotta have to punish you even though you're stronger faster smarter than me uh go to your room you know Malik go to your room and it's uh Alec Newman is the actor playing Malik uh, also um Dr. Uh, Lucas is Richard Ryle, I think that's how you, R-I-E-H-L-E. You'll recognize him. He's a great character actor, shows up in a lot of things. One thing I remember him from, he was in the movie Office Space, but he's playing Dr. Lucas on Cold Station 12, so that's pretty cool. Also, a few things, a little bit of other information. The uh, This episode, when it aired in the United Kingdom, uh, the broadcaster, I think Channel 4 there, they edited out some of the more violent scenes. These are um, not real, you know, this this one in particular, Cold Station 12, with the torture and that, and a few things even that happened in the other episodes in this set of uh, three uh, are, are pretty pretty nasty, especially this torture sequence here that you see. And they were edited, uh, they edited that out. They were beating Dr. Lucas up, and he was getting pretty bloody, and his eye was all puffed up. So, um, you know, just uh, I just thought I'd mention that uh They're uh, mostly uh, fictional diseases, they mention when they talk about all the the different diseases that they keep there. They also keep, you know, besides these Augment embryos, they keep all these uh, rare diseases like Rhygelian fever and the Tellurian plague and all that. Also, uh, these episodes have a lot of fights and stunts in them. And this this one and the next one, uh, the Augment episode... Were uh, received Emmy Award nominations for outstanding stunt coordination by a guy named Vince Dietrich Jr., who was one of the stunt guys uh, on Enterprise, and uh, I thought that was pretty cool. And some of the props and things, like even the lab coat of Dr. Lucas, were were auctioned off uh, on the It's a Wrap uh, sale and auction that they had uh, that happened on eBay, and Dr. Soong's one of his pads and things. So, you know, lots of stuff. Oh, one thing about this encryption they're trying to break at one point, uh, they're trying to get this code from Dr. Lucas. It ends up being, it's just a, uh, when you see it on the screen, it's just a code of tr- 16 characters. So the possibilities were, um, were probably not as great as they try to make out, you know, uh, when they're trying to break it. But, you know, that's just a minor thing. They wanted to show it, so... It's just a little little detail there, and we get towards the end of Cold Station Twelve. There's a there's a nice fight here between Malik and Archer. He he tries to break away. They're holding them hostage along with some of the other people at the lab there, and Archer and him have a fight. And it's very to me, to me it's real reminiscent of the Kirk Khan fight from the episode Space Seed in the original series. You know you have an augmented superhuman kind of guy, uh, fighting just a human. But where, of course, Kirk, uh, you know, was able to to down Khan to save his ship, Archer doesn't quite do that with here, but he holds his own, and Malik even uh, tells him what he's got planned a little bit in, in, in true villain style. So here's a clip uh, towards the end of Cold Station Twelve with the fight of Archer and Malik.
0: Whatever I can do to help.
4: Hold on to that. You're a competent fighter. I wish I had time to continue our little match. I'm enjoying it. But this will be almost as satisfying. Five minutes after we leave, every stasis field in this station will shut down, releasing hundreds of pathogens. I wonder which one will kill you first.
2: Stick around and find out. I like you, Captain.
1: I can't allow my brother yeah, so that basically brings us to the end of Cold Station 12. It's left sort of on a cliffhanger where once the Augments and Sung have escaped and, and taken off, they have set uh, the containment fields on all these uh, deadly pathogens that are left on the station to release. And they're trying to, of course, stop that from happening because if they release, everyone's going to you know, be you know shaking and shivering for a minute or two and then they're all going to be dead from some disease that kills them you know like that fast which just to me is also a little interesting just because there are i mean how many how many little germs and bugs out there that kill somebody within basically a minute uh that i i I, you know that's hard to understand to me that there's that many although there i guess they don't all do that so But that one guy in the torture chamber, it killed him pretty darn quick. Whichever one they pumped in there, I forget which one it was. So um, what I want to do here, though, to to sort of break this up between Cold Station 12 and the Augments episode is I'm going to play a uh, listener uh, little clip here that uh, Rick Moyer sent in on his comments about these episodes. So rather than play that at the very end of of me covering both, I thought I would slide it in here in the middle and it will allow me to break and, and kind of get set up for the next uh, episode uh, in this uh, three-part set, uh, or the second one I'm covering, Augments. And here's Rick Moyer and his comments on uh, these episodes, and I will be back uh, with the next one right after his uh, comments are done.
6: (laughs) Hi, Rico. This is Rick Moyer from Aberdeen, Washington, Moyer777 on the forums. And I wanted to thank you for reviewing Cold Station 12, that whole arc with the Augments and... Uh, I think my favorite part about this whole arc of storylines, the three shows, was to have Brent Spiner back on the show. I just love him as an actor. I just loved him as Data. I loved it when he played different roles on TNG, you know, where he was his father and um, just played his younger self, and then he played Lore. I loved it when he would dress up on the holodeck and be like Ebenezer Scrooge and... uh, and some characters in Shakespeare and things like that. It just, He's just a, such a fascinating actor, and I was so glad that they brought him uh, into Enterprise so we could see him again. I really liked how he portrayed his character, and I just thought those were some very... Uh, thrilling episodes, it was fun to see things shaken up a bit and and to kind of explore that whole idea of genetic manipulation. The other thing I liked about this story arc was that we finally got to meet mr or dr flox 's um, friend dr. Lucas, and that was just a real treat because we 'd heard him uh corresponding back and forth with him you know via letters or they 're kind of like pen pals, so it was just really neat to finally actually get to see him. The most tense part of the the arc, I thought, um, in this whole set of episodes, was when they put the Doctor in the that chamber. It reminded me of the uh, the the torture chamber that they had on on other episodes of Star Trek. But uh, when they released that pathogen in and the Doctor died, uh, that was really I don't know why it was such an emotional scene for me, but it was it was really mean and nasty, and just showed. Um, What can happen when uh, the worst of us comes out, you know, in in these augments. So anyway, way cool. A bunch of episodes. Thanks for reviewing it, Rico. I love Star Trek. I don't care what series it was. They were all really good. And this was a a great set of Enterprise episodes. So thanks, Rico. Have an awesome day. Keep doing what you do. I just love Treks and Sci-Fi. It's one of my favorite podcasts, the very first one I ever heard. And I've stuck with it for many, many years now because I love the way you do your podcast all right man have a great one see you later everybody well thanks
1: very much rick for your comments uh yeah you know these are great episodes and, and so fun to see brent spiner back uh playing a character a new, you know another character sort of a Sung relative dr Sung relative uh, uh great grandfather of Sung is is the idea here i think But to see him back is a lot of fun. So now we're into the third one of uh, this three-parter. It is called The Augments. And this one, this episode is, uh, these all aired in the fall of 2004, November, I think, or or end of October into November of these three episodes. This episode uh, was directed by LeVar Burton. Other interesting thing I thought about these three episodes is they were each written by different people. Uh, some of them are people that have written other Trek episodes before, but it wasn't like one person wrote them all or anything like that. But this episode was directed by LeVar Burton, which must have been a lot of fun when they did it and filmed it with LeVar directing uh, Brent on on this last uh, episode here of this series. So, um, of course, we left off uh, Part uh, 2 of Cold Station 12 with these pathogens being released, They, of course, are able to stop that uh, and uh, figure out uh, what they needed to do. Here's uh, a clip from early in uh, the Augments episode.
3: Previously on Enterprise. Jonathan Archer.
2: What brings you here? Someone attacked a Klingon bird of prey. The entire crew was massacred, the ships missing. They were Augments.
5: You were leading us before. Now he is. You can't accept that.
2: Why shouldn't I lead?
4: Augments should be led by augments. We've been authorized to use whatever force necessary to
3: stop soon. We know you can get to the embryos. Give us what we came for. You'll tell us what we want to hear or you'll watch him die too.
4: Every stasis field in this station will shut down. We're releasing hundreds of pathogens. I wonder which one will kill you first There's no way to stop
3: it from here Somewhere else The primary junction
5: And now the conclusion Containment breach in 40 seconds He's almost there
2: I'm at the primary junction
4: You'll have to divert the secondary relays The panel to the left I
5: see them 20 seconds.
3: He's isolated this room. The pathogens can't reach us. What about the captain? The ventilation grid is going to carry the pathogens through the rest of the station, including the central core.
2: How long do I have? Less than a minute.
1: So that kind of gives you a little bit of a recap again and into this episode, uh, the first part of this one. It's kind of a cool way they finally, and I don't think I have an exact clip of this part, but how they, they get this disease thing or stop this process. Archer, of course, runs off to this sort of auxiliary control little tube he climbs up. And uh, he is able to divert uh, these pathogens from being released, and, and he protects the the control area, the lab area where everyone else is at. But of course, now the pathogens are only going to go out this sort of tube and up that uh, area that he's in. And what he decides to do since he's running out of time is his the, the enterprise is there, the enterprise he says, "Well, uh, can you, you know, beam me out of here?" And, he's, and they say, "Well, no, not really, you're too far down." He, he he has them target the 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 hatch at the top of this little con- access tube and with the, the the enterprise targets that with their phasers and they blast it he gets sucked out of the tube just into space and then they beam him out at that moment and there's a Kind of a cool shot where he beams back into the Enterprise and he's all frosty and everything like that. I've, they've, you know, there's been different movies, TV shows, and stuff that I've seen over the years where people have been exposed to, uh, you know, deep space for some short period of time and somehow survived. But man, he he's back in action pretty darn quick in this episode. He's he's a little red around his face and he's got some, you know, frostbite and things like that. But I, you know, well, I guess it's twenty, you know. 22nd century medicine or whatever. But uh, anyway, it, it's it's pretty impressive, I still think. But it's a cool effect and, 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 and you know, very heroic there. he's, he's He saves the day and, and almost gets, um, you know, killed in, in the vacuum of space. So the next uh, clip that you're going to hear that I'm going to play, now you have the Enterprise sort of chasing after the bird of prey. They've got the embryos and everything from Cold Station 12. And there is a clip with uh this is mainly on i guess it's on the bridge of the klingon bird of prey it's between or uh, between some of the augments uh, mostly between uh, uh brent's character dr Sung, and malik again because they have a lot of scenes in, in this episode especially where they're they're going through and and not agreeing but there's a nice little reference here to the botany bay situation and Khan and all that that i wanted to play for you so here's the clip of course would you set
4: I'm not certain. But I know that running away isn't the answer. Are you familiar with the name Botany Bay? It's
2: a Pinot colony on the shores of Australia.
4: It's also the name of a pre-war vessel, launched at the end of the Great Wars. The ship carried many of our brethren, including Khan and the Ensign.
3: Botany Bay is a myth. There's no evidence it ever existed. All records of the launch were destroyed. They didn't want to be followed. Even if you're right, the ship was lost, never to be heard from again. That's exactly my point. Khan was a great leader, but he made
4: one fatal mistake. He ran from his enemies rather than face them. We
3: spent our entire lives running and hiding. When are we going to make a stand? The matter is not open for debate. Alter our heading. Set a course 184 Mark three. We're going to the Briar Patch. I'll be in my lab.
1: Okay, so, you know, that's nice that they slide in. You know, that's another thing that I enjoy about this set of episodes is there's a lot of cross-reference things going on between the Eugenics War and and Khan, Botany Bay, uh, Dr. Soon coming in, and there's a nice little bit at the end. I'll talk about it when we get there more, but... Uh, of him talking about creating you know artificial life forms and cybernetics which leads to the whole data thing so lots of nice little cross connections in these episodes uh, that the writers came up with to put in and, and uh, that's always cool and nice to see also like the the effects and the battles and, and everything and the stunts and, and things in these episodes are, are really well done is, is also and uh, just just it's really great i, I think again everyone's just uh, Check these episodes out again when you get a chance. Uh, Enterprise uh, ha- has always had some great episodes, and I think the fourth season they did some nice little story arcs like this, and this is uh, really a-, a-, a great set of them. Uh, next up, now we're basically into a chase situation where the uh, the Klingons with the-, the Augments and everyone aboard are going through Klingon space, and uh, Doctor Soon wants them to go to this Briar Patch area, which we know from the uh, movie Star Trek: Insurrection, which is this sort of area that they can hide in, raise these embryos that he has saved from Cold Station Twelve. But Malik, you know, he's not really all that thrilled with that idea. He's like, "Yeah, you know, I don't want to be like a little, little, you know, scaredy cat and go hide off on a planet somewhere for years or whatever. Let's do something a little bit more." different a little more radical and of course the enterprise is pursuing them they're able to sort of mask their warp signature to to appear as a klingon ship it seems like the you know how many episodes have have uh, of trek have they done that let's change our warp signature to look like a romulan ship or a klingon ship or whatever it should be like standard equipment because they always got to like modify the engines it's going to take a couple hours captain uh you know if i'm trip talking. But you'd think they would have, like, okay, here's the settings you need to do, uh, make your, your ship look like a Klingon. Oh, here it is for Romulan. Here it is for Orion. Here it is for Vulcan. Whatever. Because it just seems like it comes up all the time. You know, it's like, okay, you got to just dial this down over here, turn this knob on, you know, push this lever over, and we're all good to go. So I, it's just something I was thinking of when I watched these again and collected the clips of how many times it's always, you know, mask our warp signature to look like this. You know, cl- classic techno babble for Trek, but, you know, it's okay. Um, but here, the next clip is another uh, nice scene here between Malik and uh, Dr. Sung, Brent, and he, you know, the, he's got a different idea, as Malik does, about what they should do, and he tells them a little bit about how he collected some pathogens from Code Station 12, just in case they might need them. So here you go.
4: I need to speak with you. What is it? We've underestimated them Starfleet isn't going to stop until they find us
3: Now what do you suggest we do? Turn ourselves in
4: Before we left C-12 I've been to board two dozen canisters of biogenic agents You did what? We could modify a torpedo to carry the pathogens
3: A single torpedo would never make it through their hull plating I wasn't
4: talking about the Enterprise We use it against the Klingons The Kivot colony is less than four light years away if we detonate the torpedo inside the upper atmosphere, it'll scatter the pathogen across the entire planet. Every organism on the surface will be dead within days. When the High Council hears that humans have decimated their colony, they'll launch a counterstrike. The Klingons will keep Starfleet busy for years. What you're proposing is mass murder. There is no other choice. How long will it be before Starfleet turns to the Klingons for help in finding us? to guarantee our survival. Go back to the bridge. What happened to you in prison? You're not the man who raised us. The man who was willing
3: to do whatever was necessary. Return to your station.
1: Yeah, so that's, uh, he doesn't really like that idea. Our, uh, so- Dr. Soong doesn't like that uh, thought of killing a whole planet full of uh, Klingons on this colony. And again, you know, for a guy, one thing I wanted to bring out when I was talking about these episodes is, okay, Soong is, is this, you know, intelligent, super smart guy, okay, right? He, he's, he's a genius, basically. Now, why does it seem so hard and so complicated and so difficult for him to grasp and believe that, his little superpowered children, his supermen, basically, like Nietzsche would call them, you know, he, these these augmented, uh, and and especially with the history of what happened with the eugenics war, and all that, why why is, does he not quite get that he can't keep these guys and girls or whatever under control? That that they're you know this this you know, the power that they have is going to create, you know, ambition and the the, the drive to sort of conquer and to lead and everything like that. that. That, I think, is a little bit of a fault. I mean, there should have been at least a scene where he's something like, you know, I should have seen this coming. I guess I was naive, you know, that I thought I could teach them differently. But, you know, one of the problems or one of the things he points out in one clip uh, or one point in these episodes, I don't think I have a have it on a clip, is he says something like, and I think it might actually be coming up in the next clip. But anyway, uh, he he says something because he was pulled away and he was taken to prison that he wasn't there all the time when they were growing up. And maybe if they had somebody to nurture them, and to teach them differently, you know, that, that that would change their nature to a degree. And that goes into the whole nature versus nurture argument, too, in, in you know, I know our friend Jen on, on, on the forums uh, of uh, the Anomaly podcast. She's expecting a baby. We have people with kids. So I'm, I have two boys, and you know, it's there's always been this you know thought and, and discussion in 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 the world about you know are are people a product of their environment or is it their genetics or which one is stronger? Which one? I'm a big proponent of. I think it has a a huge amount to do with. The way you're brought up and what you what the the things you deal with, the way the things that you're taught, the things that you learn as a child, I think, become your the way you are as an adult. I think those early years are so critical that and, you know, that that you that is something that I don't think I don't care what your nature is. It's that will You know, the difference between right and wrong, and that's the kind of stuff that I think will stick with you forever, the kind of person that you are. You learn, I think, very early, and I don't think you learn based on your genetics that much. Now, I suppose someone that's, you know, like an augmented person or genetically engineered person, maybe because of all that and their ambition and everything would, would sort of take over there's obviously some genetics involved in in how things and how things work out for people I mean if you're super smart you know maybe you you end up being you know rich because you get a, a great job or you're working someplace or whatever you know what I mean I mean if you're very ambitious maybe you go into politics and or, or who knows or you become the head of a CEO of a big big company I, I mean a lot of that's gonna influence you know what how you end up too but uh, you know I think I could see soon thinking that he could maybe, by raising them and teaching them values and, and the difference between right and wrong, that he would be able to maybe stop this this trend in what happened with Khan and other uh, supermen during the eugenics wars, he might be able to stop that. But you know, it's an interesting thing to think about and uh, and to discuss. The next clip, though, what uh, what Soong does find out is Malik sort of takes over the ship, takes over the the Bird of Prey, the aboard. Because Soong won't basically go along with his plan and what he wants to do. Throws him the brig, but uh, the girl augment, uh, what's her name again? Persis? Yeah, 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 Persis. She, um, she lets Soon go. She's a little bit more, uh, she sees, you know, what, who they call their father, Dr. Soong. She She sees his point of view a lot better and sees Malik going basically off the deep end a little bit. Uh, So she helps uh, Soong escape. He ends up being picked up uh, in this little escape pod by the Enterprise. And now this next clip that you're going to listen to here is uh, our conversation, a good one between Archer and Soong, and Soong begging Archer to basically let him help him to stop them.
3: You have to alter your course. Is that so? My children... The Augments are planning to attack a Klingon colony...
2: What were you doing in that escape pod? What do you think? I was waiting for you. You're the only one who could
3: stop them. (laughs) I didn't come back because I missed our lively
2: debates. Please, please, you have to do as I ask. Your story doesn't sound very plausible. I think we were getting close to finding your augments. You may have put yourself into that escape pod to throw us off. You're not serious. You've made it clear you'll do anything for them. Lie. And sacrifice yourself if the klingons
3: retaliate against earth it'll make the zendi incident look like a lover's quarrel what
2: do you care what happens to earth you believe your children are the future of humanity captain captain contact c12 300 kilograms of biotoxins are missing from their inventory dr lucas already told me about the missing toxins
3: Malik stole them without my knowledge.
2: He's going to use them on the colony.
3: You saw what he did on the station. You know what he's capable of.
2: You didn't know. You had to see him murder someone in front of you. What
3: do you want me to say? That you were right about them, and I was wrong things would have been different if I'd been there for them, if Starfleet hadn't locked me
2: away. None of that would have mattered in the end. It's in their nature. They were engineered to be this way. Superior ability breeds superior ambition. One of their creators wrote that. He was murdered by an augment. So
1: Archer does eventually, uh, you know, believe and agree with Soong and lets him help him track down the Augments. He, he believes them, and he's he knows they're heading towards this Klingon colony. <laughs> I got to do my my Klingon talk again. <laughs> anyway, the uh, oh we get we get to see JG JG Hertzler too play a Klingon here for the last time uh, on Trek. He is the Klingon in this episode that uh, meets up with the Enterprise. Uh, you'll see uh, that. I don't think I have a clip from that at all, but you'll see it if you watch this. I think I'm going to try to put the Augments episode 2 up in uh, the streaming player on, on the forum soon, probably later this week, maybe even next weekend perhaps. Uh, okay, so uh, Sung is trying to help them, and they go to the colony, and there's a big basically ship battle that goes, goes on. Which, I, it was an okay conclusion, but there's a little twist at the end. But I want to play the clip first here. This is uh, towards the end of uh, the Augments episode, and the Enterprise has battled with the Klingon Bird of Prey, and they have pretty much wiped it out. But um, Malik in, in sort of Khan fashion, Khan Noonien Singh, he is, even though the Enterprise just was trying to disable the ship, enough so they could board it or beam the the augments out of there or whatever they you know malik says no 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 you're not going to take us you're not going to take us and throw us in prison so he sets the ship to to destroy itself to to destruct and and uh and then you see this uh, cool effect of the bird of prey blowing up at the end i think of this clip so here you are
3: malik malik it's father don't do this some of your brothers and sisters
4: are still alive. Would you rather they went to prison with you? The embryos. Uh, there's no place for us on earth. Or anywhere else. Better to die here. Please,
3: please. I'll see you soon. Malik!
2: <coughs> Sir?
1: Yeah, again, you know, Enterprise had some—they did a really good job with the production values, the effects, and everything in these episodes. And this three-part set of things uh, here, Borderland, Cold Station 12, and the augments, is really a good example of some real nice work that they did. And it was cool to see uh, the fights and the battles. And, and again, they, they were nominated for an Emmy this episode, the stunts. And you also, there was also, I, I, it's past this point in the episode, but I want to say once Malik has sort of discovered that uh, Persis um, had, you know, let Soon go and helped the Enterprise track them down, she, you know, they have a, they're sort of lovers in these episodes, and there's a scene in, in their quarters where Malik, you know, if, when he finds this out, they fight and uh, he, he kills her. And that is another scene. Uh, that was cut out and edited out in the UK. They they basically you know the whole the whole scene in the quarters everything basically Persis just sort of disappears when when you watch this if you saw it in the UK. So I'm mentioning a lot of these things or or some of that UK stuff for um, we have quite a few. Uh, f- friends and uh people on the forum from that area and if you guys you know if you've never seen these they're either on a dvd release or another way you may want to check these episodes out again to find out hey what happened to persis so yeah she gets stabbed pretty good by by good old malik there so um it's uh it's pretty pretty nasty too they you know he's like you know he kills her and then, then she's just dying barely and he picks her up kind of and gives her one last kiss as she's dying and then he kind of wipes the blood off his mouth, and it's 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 pretty nasty. And I, you know, I hate to say that I like it, you know, because that sounds kind of bad. But uh, it it fits it fits his character, you know. And I'm okay with things in in TV, movies, and so forth. It's not gratuitous, in my opinion. This this is a guy she betrayed him, and, and he you know he had to kill her in his mind that you know she, he couldn't trust her, so he killed her, and uh, you know. That, that's just the way, you know, this, this is why this can't happen. This is why genetic engineering was banned by the Federation and everything and never to, you know, be seen again. And uh, so uh, one last clip here to play for you from uh, the Augments. This is towards the, uh, I guess, at the very end of the episode. And it's a, uh, Sung is basically now kind of in prison. They, they, he's back in prison. They've taken down all this old research he had all over his cell and he now gets the idea that, you know, maybe genetically engineering, you know, humans is not really the best thing to, to do and, and to work on. So he gets this idea to start working on uh, cybernetics and so that, that sets the stage that he is, especially since hey, his last name is Sung and that he is sort of one of the start you know, the starting point for the creation of data from TNG. So here's the last clip from the augments
2: being stored in a secure location. Maybe someday we'll figure out how to use it to benefit humanity.
3: I wouldn't count on it. I've been thinking perfecting humanity May not be possible. Cybernetics. Artificial life forms. Goodbye, doctor. I doubt I'll finish the work myself. Might take a generation or two.
1: Well, I, I hope you've enjoyed uh, this um, pretty quick look at uh, two of the episodes of this three-parter featuring uh, Brent Spiner playing Dr. Eric Soong and, you know, this whole tale on genetic engineering and, and the augments and, and, and everything. It, it's very good, and I think they did a great job of blending in, you know, Trek lore and Trek canon and Trek history into these episodes, considering that, you know they had that reference to the Botany Bay, but of course Enterprise was set before the original series, so the Botany Bay has not been discovered with Khan aboard yet. It's it's just this idea, this myth. You know they 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 did a great job, did some good homework on making this all work with um, you know Trek history, and and I and I like that it wasn't you know that. Every episode, you know, is a little different. You know, if they create something brand new, or they're using Trek-related um, history to work something in, and this time that's what they did. And but they didn't, you know, they didn't just sort of do it, you know, care, you know, minorly or whatever. They they really tried to use these episodes, I think, to flesh out the whole uh, eugenics war and uh, genetically in- enhanced humans and that whole idea. And did a great job with it. And, and again, Brent Spiner back uh, playing on Trek was, was was fantastic. So cool to see. And you know, he he's a really funny guy. I've seen him at convention. Convention. <laughs> oh, I need more tea. I just ran out of tea. I have to go get more from the fridge. Uh, but but Brent, he, he's a very smart, very funny guy, and and he's great at conventions. If you've not seen him, get you get a chance. Uh, go see Brent. Uh, you know, maybe he'll be at the uh, the Vegas Con in August, which we're hoping to have a good Trexan sci-fi turnout there. That's the plan, and uh, I got to start uh, seriously getting tickets and doing things like that uh, for myself. But uh, you know, he he's great to see at cons, just like a lot of the other stars are. But uh, he he is. The, the cool thing about Brent, i i, I think it, it, is just that you see a lot of him when he plays uh, you know his different roles although there's of course differences in, in that but he's a bit of an eccentric and and, and kind of just a fun guy and and, and, I, and i like to see that i i think he'd be really good on a comedy or you know what the guys over at the big bang theory if they want to get another guest person on there they you know they've done uh, a few trek related things and it would be brent would be a cool one to have on there too i i hear they're talking about trying to get leonard nimoy uh guest starring and of course that would make sheldon pretty much just drop dead i think if he saw his his idol leonard nimoy uh on the big bang theory but uh which is a fantastic uh series great show a lot of fun you all should be watching the big bang theory so i'm going to take a short break and i will come back and wrap up today's podcast
0: Vikings have always fought dragons. Look at that thing. the size of my... Ah, Get it off! But he has another idea. Nice dragon.
4: Okay. On March 26th... I've decided I don't want to fight dragons.
2: You really had me going there, son.
4: (laughs) Their world... What are you gonna do? Something stupid. ...will never be the same. You're crazy.
0: I like that.
4: DreamWorks How to Train Your Dragon in 3D. Rated PG, March 26th.
0: Okay,
1: just have a few things to mention, and we'll or round out this show. I, I, I had, You probably all have figured out uh, by now, but I altered the schedule. Well, I did it a while back, a few weeks ago. Originally, we were going to cover the X-Files on today's date, and then this set of episodes I think was going to be the following week, but I, I swapped them. So next weekend, now you already know, but next weekend for, I guess that will be March 28th's podcast, I will be covering the TV series 10 Seasons, I think it was, total, uh, the x-files and i would love please folks send me do it right now do it do it right after you listen to the podcast i would love people who who watch the series uh and uh, you know whatever your thoughts are about the x-files please send in an audio clip uh, a minute or two a couple minutes long or something about the show and what you thought to trek at gmail.com i'd really like to hear what everyone has to say about that show and uh, especially considering we have this new show fringe which is sort of the a, a very X-Files-like show for, for the modern, you know, sort of current era a little bit, and uh, which is a lot of fun and should be coming back, I think, with new episodes in April. What else do I want to say? Oh, happy birthday to Joe on the forums. It's Joe's birthday today, or Billy Bob on the forums. Uh, also, I, I've uh, been seeing people getting their EFX uh, mark. I think they're called Mark 9 is what it is, or is it Mark 11? I can never remember. I think it's Mark 9. Anyway, the Tricorder, the TNG Tricorder, and I wanted to mention this. There are some still out there. You can find these at different shops online. This is EFX was the company that sort of took over the sort of Master Replica's place in collectibles of, of sort of high-end props and some ships and other things they're doing. They're doing a cool set of Trek badges, metal badges from the movie. Uh, but they have—they uh, have been now sending out these uh, tricorders. This is much like the Master Replicas uh, TNG tricorder that uh, was put out at the very end of Master Replicas, uh, you know, run on the Trek license before they kind of went away uh, completely. In fact, uh, Master Replicas is no more. But uh, EFX has put out these tricorders, and the neat thing about this one. Besides, a few little tweaks and updates they did to it from the Master Replicas version is you get it with Brent Spiner's signature as as well. I know there's a company, I think, one of the places out there that I do see that I think still had them for sale is a place called, I think it's called Redford Films. Uh, Redford, R-E-D-F-O-R-D, Films, and I think that's the right URL redfordfilms.com, I believe, still has these for sale. And I'm still tempted, even though I have the Mester Replicas version, I'm tempted to pick one up. So, um, But anyway, I just thought I'd mention that in sort of a mini collectible segment here at the end of the show. Thanks for listening, folks. Uh, always a pleasure to, to send another podcast and do another podcast for all of you, especially when I'm lonely here in Rockford on the weekends and don't get to talk to too many people and And the weather is still kind of bad, so it's not all that much fun to go out. I did go out yesterday, which was kind of a mistake. It was just kind of nasty out. We were getting, like, flurries, and it felt terrible. But I had to pick up a few things and some groceries and and milk and fun stuff. So you got to just do it sometimes. So anyway, uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Please put a review up on iTunes if you've never done that or maybe if you haven't for a while. I don't know if they allow you to put another one up if you've already done it for a podcast. But uh, have your brother do it or your mother or your father or your sister or someone your your spouse or your boyfriend girlfriend whoever just tell them to listen to an episode and then they can put one up on iTunes uh, a review but that's always great to have if you enjoy the show and want to help support it uh, there are PayPal links on the main website and on the forums please join the forums We uh, always have a great time over there, and the more the merrier, as they say. So I'm getting out of here. Going to edit this up and get it all uh, released out to everyone, and uh, that's it. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, I hope next weekend maybe the weather will be good again, and uh, maybe someday I'll podcast outside. Well, I could do that probably, run the wires through the window here. Yeah, maybe that'll be fun. Um, Who knows? So (laughs) send those X-Files comments in for next week's show, everyone. Take care until then. Bye-bye.
2: Want to contribute to the weekly podcasts with audio comments? Send them in to treksf at gmail.com or visit
0: www.treksinscifi.com Treks and Sci-Fi With Rico Dusty.